We're so happy that all of you are with us here this morning in spirit. I know you may not be here physically. I know you're not here physically, but you're here in spirit with us uh, to worship the Lord and to, to hear from God, to hear what he has to say to us from his word. Blessed be his wonderful name. I want to encourage you also, by the way, just to remember Wednesday night, seven o'clock, we gather back here and uh, to, to worship the Lord and to, and to pray, to lift up our voice uh, for all the needs that we have. And we want you to know that we are targeting the first Sunday in March, that's March the 7th, to reopen. March the 7th, that's a Sunday. That's our target date for reopening, for having you come back in and be with us here as we worship the Lord. So mark that in your calendar and uh, make your plans to be with us here on March the 7th. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll talk to you today uh, from the Word of God, obviously, and in the, in the journey that we've been uh, taking a little bit through the book of Exodus as God's people uh, began their journey to the promised land. And I want to start out by letting you know that I am a Trekkie. I love Star Trek. And so while others may say, praise the Lord, I will tell you, live long and prosper. I love Star Trek. I love all the series. I love the movies. And one of my favorite Star Trek movies is called Nemesis. Uh, because believe it or not, there's a spiritual application uh, in that movie. And, uh, that movie mirrors something that transpires or takes place in all of our lives spiritually. You see, by definition, a nemesis is one who is the inevitable uh, uh, downfall of someone else's defeat. In other words, one who is the inevitable cause, let me put it the right way, of someone's downfall or defeat. In other words, a nemesis is an enemy that it's likely impossible for you to defeat. And as Christians, we have a nemesis, but it's probably not who you think it is. Let's turn to the book of Exodus this morning, Exodus chapter 17. Specifically, I'm going to read from verse 8 through 16. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage but whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. And so Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. 
So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And he said, they have raised their fists against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Let's pray. Father, even at this moment, as we have worshiped you and as we have gathered around and, and lifted up our hearts before you in praise, even now we come before you in prayer asking for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I know the thought you've given me to share with all of us here today, but I still need so desperately the help of the Holy Spirit to communicate it the way that I ought to. So I ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. And I ask, oh God, that the Spirit of the Lord would open our eyes so that we would see, to open up our ears so that we would hear, and to open our hearts so that we would receive this word. May it bear fruit in all of our lives, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You have to pray for uh, my worship team. They, they love me so much. As soon as they finish, they're, they're just gone. You know, they're into their phones. I didn't hear one amen here. So you got to pray for this worship team. That's why I need you so desperately. If you're there and if you're on social media, uh, type in an amen. Do something in there to encourage your pastor. Would you do that? Appreciate that. All right. So as we've just read, in fact, uh, I need to uh, get a tissue here for a second. Excuse me. Okay, so now, sorry about that. After Egypt, remember Egypt had attacked Israel, trying to get them to come back into slavery, and God had delivered the nation of Israel by destroying the Egyptian army. And they're now heading into the promised land. And Amalek here is the very first nation to attack Israel as they journey toward the promised land. And this is also the first battle that the Israelites actually had to fight. Because remember, the Egyptians, they never had to fight that battle. God took care of that. But here, they had actually had to fight. Moses and Joshua and the army uh, to, to go there and to fight. And he said, I'm going to go up on the hill. And he went up on the hill with Aaron and Ur, and he held up the staff of God. And the staff of God symbolizes the power of God. And as he held that up, uh, the advantage would go to Israel. But being human, his hands would stand off to me, get tied, and they start to lower. And every time they lowered, then the Amalekites would gain the battle. So, as we read, Aaron and Ur went on one side, each one, and held up his arms. And because the staff, the power of God, I was lifted high. This battle raged all the way until sunset. But finally, Amalek realized that they were being defeated. And so they 
withdrew. And the Lord now declared that he would be at war with Amalek generation after generation. And ultimately, he would erase Amalek from under heaven. Now, just to give us another picture uh, to uh, put in some added details into this battle that took place that we don't have there in Exodus, but we do have recorded in Deuteronomy. So I'm turning to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 and 19 uh, through 19. For those of you who are taking notes, listen. Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as they came from Egypt. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies in the land he has given you as a special possession, you must destroy the Amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven. Never forget this. So, here in Deuteronomy, we find now that the Amalekites attacked from behind. Uh, they, as the people were tired uh, from their journey and those that were straggling behind uh, from the main uh, group, that's who the Amalekites attacked first. And we're going to talk about more what that means for you and I in just a moment here. It's also worthy of note that when Israel got to the promised land or right before they got to the promised land and they sent the 12 spies in there and the 12 spies came back with the report no there's giants in the land we can't go back in there 10 of them had a bad report but only Joshua and Caleb said come on God is promising us we can do this but the 10 uh, uh, who gave that bad report stirred up the people and the prevailers the people got scared they didn't want to go in they didn't believe God could keep them they didn't believe God would give them the victory so God, in his anger, judged them and said, okay, now then, you turn back around. You're going to go back into the wilderness until the entire generation passes, uh, passes away. And your children, who you think I can't keep, they're the ones that are going to enter into the promised land. Well, the people now realize, oh, we made a big mistake. So we didn't listen to God. Now we got to go back. Okay, let, we change our mind, Moses. We want to go into the promised land. And Moses, I told them, no, don't go in there. But they didn't listen to Moses. They went ahead. Uh, Moses stayed in the camp with the ark of God, meaning they didn't go with the presence of God. But they tried to get into the promised land on their own. Numbers chapter 14, verse 45. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Horma. So now the group that tried to get into the promised land without the presence of God were attacked by the Amalekites and the Amalekites defeated them and sent them back. So what does a Star Trek movie called Nemesis and our text today have to do with you and I. 
What's the connection that we can make that can help us in this spiritual journey that we are on as Christians entering into the promised land? Well, I want to talk to you today about defeating your nemesis. Defeating your nemesis. Let's get back to my movie, uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, remember, the nemesis is that one that you're going to have a difficult time defeating. You probably will not defeat. Uh, they're going to lead to your downfall. Well, in the movie, the captain of the Enterprise ship was called Captain Luke Picard. His nemesis was actually a clone of himself that the enemy had made. So in other words, he was battling himself in the movie. And he could not defeat himself. It took someone else to help him gain the victory. How does that relate to you and I? Let's look at Romans chapter 7. Uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never obeys God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. All right, here's the connection. We are all born with a sinful nature. That means simply this. We are born with the nature that loves to sin. It is natural for us to sin. Our, our nature disobeys God, doesn't want to follow God's law, never has wanted to follow God's law. Our nature is selfish. Our nature is that which we want to do what we want to do. We don't want anybody directing us, uh, telling us what to do, uh, overseeing us. We want to live our own life our way. That's uh, the type of nature all of us are born with. And so now when we are born again, when we embrace the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, when we recognize that he died for our sins and we embrace him as our savior and the spirit of God now comes to take up residence in our spirit, we are now born again. You're not born again because you belong to some religious organization or some denomination. You're not born again because you're a morally good person because the Bible said there's no one good, not even one. No, we are born again when we confess our sins and we embrace the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Now, when we begin this journey as a born-again believer, to the promised land. And remember, the promised land ultimately will be eternity with the Lord. But until that moment comes, we are on this journey. We are on this journey where we have a building our relationship with God. We're on this journey where we're going to encounter things in life, where we're going to encounter battles that we're going to have to fight. And so while we're on this journey, that's, we need to remember that we still have this thing called the sinful nature. And notice that 
in the book of Romans, it declares that the sinful nature is always hostile to God. There's that part of you will always be in rebellion against God, in rebellion against his word, that will always be insisting on doing whatever it wants to do on its own. And notice the Bible also said that when we are controlled by the sinful nature, when we live to please our own self, when life centers around us and what we desire, Notice the Bible is very clear. We can never please God. And so for the Christian, our nemesis is the sinful nature. Our Amalek, to use the Old Testament uh, grouping, Amalek was, is symbolic for the sinful nature. It, it's, it's that nemesis, that uh, what leads to most of our downfall or defeat. Listen, it's not the devil. It's not demons. But it's our own sinful nature. In fact, I wouldn't even go so far as to say this. We have this sinful nature that is so wicked that we love also to deflect. We love to blame the devil we love to blame demons for the bad decisions that we make. Uh, the devil get, and the demons get so much blame for something that they didn't do, but that we did all on our own, you see. More often than not, it's not Satan or demons who cause a downfall in our lives, who cause us to be defeated. No, it's our own sinful nature. You and I are evil all on our own. We don't need the devil or demons to help us. We can mess up royally all on our own. Now, as I'm saying this and, and laying this groundwork, it's, it's important that you recognize that the saying is true. What saying am I talking about? You are your own worst enemy. You are your own worst enemy. It is critical if we are going to be victorious in this Christian journey that we recognize who our nemesis really is. That we recognize that the one that will cause us to be defeated the most is our own sinful nature, we ourselves. Now, having said that, I want to share three thoughts with you today that will help us in defeating our nemesis. Three thoughts. Here's number one. In defeating your nemesis, listen, it requires you to fight. It requires you to, to fight. There are battles that we don't have to fight. There are battles that where God will tell us, you don't need to fight, you just need to stand still. Uh, the battles that engage us to stand still where we don't need to fight are really when the enemy, the devil, attacks. 
and demons. That, that's what usually you'll find where in the scripture and where God will come and say, you don't need to fight this battle. This is my battle. I will take care of it. You just need to stand still. In other words, God is saying, don't put your hand into that thing. Don't try to fix it. I'm going to do this thing. You're going to have nothing to do with it so that in the end, you know, it was nothing less than the hand of Almighty God that did that. There are wonderful battles like that where God comes through supernaturally. And I thank God for that. I praise him for those times. But that is not the case when it comes to you and I battling our sinful nature. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, rather, close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Flesh also symbolizes the sinful nature. Don't think about how to gratify the sinful nature. Listen, temptation is where the thought comes in. All the devil can do is to give a, a, bring a thought to our minds. What we do with that thought determines whether we sin or not. And so if we're going to be victorious over temptation and over our sinful nature, the Bible is saying, clothe yourself with Christ, put on Jesus Christ, and don't think about how you can gratify those cravings that you're starting to get that you know are not right before God. Haven't you noticed that the more you think about something, the more you desire it. In other words, when there's a temptation that comes your way, the quickest way for you and I to succumb to that temptation, to be defeated by that temptation, is to keep thinking about it. That's why the Bible says, no, prepare your minds for action, meaning you have to recognize that these thoughts are coming, but you don't have to entertain these thoughts. You can get rid of these thoughts and recognize, I am not going to give room for that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm, that's the decision I'm making. And listen, you can't pray, oh God, take these thoughts away. See, that's where the battle comes in, where you have to fight. You have to be the one to say, no, I am not going to allow my mind to dwell on that. I'd rather dwell on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble. The decision that you and I have to make. Part of fighting your nemesis is the sinful nature is to keep your mind pure. Number one in defeating your nemesis is you, you, you're required to fight. Number two requires using God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 puts it this way. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the inner thoughts 
and desires. So in other words, so now notice the Bible in, in, in Ephesians is talking about the Christian putting on the armor of God. Why? Because there are battles that you have to fight. And if you're going to go into a battle, you're going to have to go in recognizing, I need a weapon. What, what's the weapon that I'm supposed to use? The Bible makes it clear. This is the sword of the spirit. This is the offensive weapon that we are given spiritually to do battles. Why? Because the Bible is the one that exposes those inner thoughts, the ones that are godly and the ones that are not godly. It cuts through all of that. It cuts through uh, even your emotions. It cuts through all of those things. It's why we've been talking a lot about the importance of making sure that the word of God is an active part of our lives every day. How can we be victorious in battle against our nemesis without using a weapon? In fact, I'll say this. There is no such thing as a victorious Christian who neglects God's word. Let me say that one more time. There is no such thing, doesn't exist, as a victorious Christian who neglects God's word. We need to make sure that every day we are taking in God's word so that when those struggles come, when our sinful nature, who is hostile to God, who never obeys God's law and never will, this internal struggle that we all have every single day of our life, it is ongoing. The Amalekites would be destroyed one day, but notice the Bible said they're going to be at war from generation to generation, which means they're always going to be around. You and I never, ever fully defeat our nemesis. You can say, well, I got the victory today. Wonderful. You may not have the victory tomorrow if you're not careful. So defeating your nemesis, number one, requires you to fight. Number two, it requires using God's word. And here's number three. It requires God's power. Notice that tried as they might, Joshua and the army of Israel only got the advantage against Amalek when Moses' staff, the power of God, was raised. The moment the, the, the staff went down, Amalek began to get the advantage. Here's how that connects to you and I. Have you not noticed that try as you might, Human effort will never prevail over your nemesis, the sinful nature. It will never will. There are habits that are deeply ingrained in our lives. The habit that is ingrained in my life may not be the habit that's ingrained in your life. One is not better than the other or worse than the other. I should, that's a better way, the more correct way of putting it. It's all the same. It is sin that can take us down, that can cause us to be defeated. And so we need to recognize that 
in order for these deeply ingrained habits to be rooted out, it's not about you and I trying harder. Way back when, oh, so many years ago, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I still struggled with drug abuse. And I tried so hard to stay clean. But you see, it's not about trying harder. You, you can't defeat yourself. Uh, that, that's what the movie was all about, where uh, uh, Captain Picard couldn't defeat himself. He was fighting against himself. When you and I resort to trying harder, we only wind up defeating ourselves, and we wind up getting even more frustrated, more discouraged, because we feel uh, this thing is never going to work out. I'm never going to change. It's not about you making promises to be better, to try harder, to be different. Some of us struggle with temper problems. We have this thing inside of us that we know is wrong, but man, when we lose it, we really lose it. And we say things that we know we shouldn't say, uh, but we say them anyway. And that's because, remember, the sinful nature never obeys God's law, and it never will. It's hostile towards God. So the Spirit of the Lord may be saying, don't go there, don't say that, don't do that. But when the sinful nature is in ruling and in control, you don't care what God's Word says. You just go ahead and blur it out anyway. And you can't, listen, you got one of those issues that deeply ingrained that way. Counting to 10 or whatever you do is not going to help. Doing some mantra is not going to help. You don't overcome the sinful nature through human effort. You need the power of God in your life. Such efforts get us exhausted. And I find it very interesting that Amalek attacked the ones that were stragglers, the ones that were exhausted from the journey and lagging behind. The enemy loved to attack the stragglers, those who are left behind and tired. I don't know about you, but sometimes you can get just tired of trying to do the right thing, tired of trying to say the right thing, tired of trying to live by the standards laid out in God's word. And that's because you keep trying under your own strength. I've been there. Many of us have been there multiple times. We need to be reminded this morning that the word of God outlines very clearly in Zechariah chapter 4, in verse 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Carlos, you're not going to get the victory over yourself by force, by trying harder, by trying to exert all your physical strength. No, you will only defeat your nemesis, yourself, 
your Amalek through the power of God. Only the power of God through the Holy Spirit can defeat our sinful nature, our nemesis. And I want to make sure that we all hear this this morning. There is no one, no one that has gotten total victory over their nemesis. So let's make it clear that we all recognize we're all in the same place. There's no one person more spiritual than another. Again, I've got my nemesis, you've got your nemesis. But the word of God is encouraging us today to know that even though we may have been defeated in the past, even though we may even have victories in the past, Amalek will never be totally defeated until we go with the Lord and be with him forever and ever. Because then we'll get a whole new body and a whole new nature, no more sinful nature. But until that day, you and I are going to be facing Amalek, our nemesis. And in order to get the victory each and every single day when that occurs, we're required to fight. We're required to make sure that there are things that I need to do. Listen, if I can go back, worship team, if you would come, if I could go back to my drug days, I would pray, God, take this away from me. And God's like, no, I can't take away something that you are not willing to let go. There's, you, you have to be come into that place where you want this thing to go away where you are willing to do your part, you see. God, I'm asking you, God, to help me get the victory over pornography, okay? Then if need be, here's how you fight. Get rid of the computer if you have to get rid of the computer. Get rid of anything that gives you access to the internet if that's where you're, you're drawn to. Do what you have to do in that regard. And then... Get my word in you. You will never be a victorious believer over your nemesis if you're not into God's word. This is the daily bread. This is that spiritual sustenance that strengthens our spirit. Without the strength of God's word into our hearts, then our sinful nature gets stronger. And then lastly, getting to the power of God. Asking God, Lord, fill me today with the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can get victory over my nemesis. <laughs> 